Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Damage Per Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Bartell. I am absolutely thrilled to uh, put out this episode today. Um, I had the ability to talk to Jerry Ultian, and Jerry is just the most endearing, honest, just wonderful guy to talk to about uh, books and science fiction. Um, but I'm talking to Jerry today because he was one of the authors of the Unreal books uh, that were published back in 1998. And Unreal was a very, very uh, popular PC game. Um, it spawned a whole engine that games would run off of. It spawned a sequel that wasn't so great, but um, it had a lot of multiplayer games that spawned after it. Um, I played way too much Unreal Tournament when I was a kid. I think, you know, that probably... I played that more than the first Unreal. Um, but he was one of the authors of the media tie-in books that were made. There is a weird history with the books, uh, including um, it just not really kind of being published correctly. Um, Jerry and I talk about that. He is uh, just a very bright, soft-spoken um, warm person that I'm just, I, I think I said, uh, you know, that I just think it's very cool. I think I say very cool about a hundred times in this episode. Um, I was just very giddy to talk to Jerry and, uh, you know, Jerry is, uh, an accomplished science fiction writer. He's been published in analog magazine, um, which is a pretty prestigious, uh, you know, hard sci-fi publication. He's written Star Trek novels. He's written um, Unreal novel. He wrote the uh, Shadow Warrior novels as well. And um, he writes a lot of nonfiction these days about astronomy. And uh, he's that sets his real passion these days is astronomy. And he's, he's quite well versed in it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so, so, so this is just a, an episode I was really pumped to do. Jerry, you know, I reached out to him to talk about, you know, the books and, and all that. And he was just so down and friendly about it and I was just I'm just overwhelmed you know just kind of like for me as someone who uh is just doing this because they they are like a fan of video games and video game books um you know it was just a absolute honor to have someone that was so accommodating and so so quickly too and uh so yeah so I'm, I'm really excited to to share this episode with you I did make one mistake uh Shadow Warrior was not developed by um digital extremes uh it was done by 3d realms um so i made that mistake they were both published by gi interactive um so there was some confusion in my brain wires crossing so they're in a a publishing family of video games but not a developed family of video games um so yeah enjoy the episode jerry and i talk a lot about uh, just science fiction video games writing and um i hope you you enjoy it all right. All okay. right, Jerry. Um, thank you for being here, obviously. Um, Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> um, so one thing I noticed about your uh, bio, which I really, really loved, is that uh, that you have a background, like a large background of work experience um, as a oil field worker, a publisher, a carpenter, gardener, astronomer <laughs> um yeah well a lot of those are a little bit inflated like the corporate secretary one well okay my uh, astronomy club is actually a 501c3 corporation so i was the secretary of my astronomy club <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> um and and it actually I, I i drew comparisons to um do you, do you know who dennis lahane is 
That name doesn't ring a bell. I'm sorry. So, so Dennis Lehane, he's a he's a writer. He wrote like uh, Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island that they all made into these movies. Okay. But he also he so he he was a, he grew up in Boston, but he also had like this huge like he has this huge uh, resume of all these like sort of random jobs that he did. And one of them was like a sanitation worker. Um, right. I did that. I did that. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think, I think it's really awesome because um, it gives you uh, a lot of like world experience and uh, really gives you insight on how like different processes work within the world. Um, and that, was, how... that, that was my goal. I wanted yeah. to learn a lot of different things about a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and and we definitely appreciate that. Um, so one of the other things too about uh, about you, Jerry, that I think is really cool is that you've written like a bunch of short stories for or that were published in Analog Magazine, which I think is super cool. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, that was like you were doing like really hard sci-fi, correct? Um, yeah, pretty much. There, I, I've done a few soft ones, and I've, I've written a little fantasy as well, but mostly uh, hard uh, SF, yeah. Um, which I, I think is really cool, and uh, I just wanted to comment on that because um, Analog Magazine, I mean, that's probably one of the more, like, serious science fiction publications. Um, you know, it's not, like, contemporary, um, you know, bookstore science fiction. You know, it's, like, right. it's actual, like, science built into um into the work and uh if you were like if you were to like remove the science it more or less would probably you know fall apart essentially right that's pretty much the the standard for analog you know the yeah. science has to really be integral to the story yeah that's and that that that's really really cool to, to me i just think that's really cool you know what's um, funny about this whole business with analog is that uh i did not really think of myself as a hard sf writer you know i, I was writing sort of um, soft science fiction, te you know, telepathy, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wound up selling my first story to Analog. And so then I started sending them more stories and they kept buying more stories. And so I kind of drifted into that Analog <laughs> mode and into that fold. Uh, so it was not by intent. That's that I, that's where I wound up. But, you know, I was happy to have that place for a home. That, that's great. Did you have, um, like, was there anybody there that was like very, like, key to that development that you developed like a really great sort of professional relationship with or was it just sort of like this uh, like <laughs> like blob of a publication no. that you just sent um, the the editor at the time was stan schmidt and mm -hmm. uh he uh, he was editor for oh gosh 25 years or so of my career mm -hmm. uh and and he he became a very close friend uh he and his wife and uh, I and my wife, we travel together sometimes just for, for fun. Mm -hmm. uh, both of our wives are medical technologists, work in hospital laboratories too. So that was one of those odd little coincidences that just, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we really bonded. And, uh, you know, Stan would not buy a story just because it was for me. He rejected plenty of stories. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you learn that you know, there's a private life where you are friends and there's a professional life where he's your editor. And uh, we kept that separate and uh, it worked out very well, uh, that's, that's, professionally and personally. That's great. And, uh, you, let me think, you probably haven't, I mean, you, 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 you kind of tapered off publishing a lot of stories for analog or submitting, I guess, I don't, I don't know how to, to put it, but you, right. but like a few years ago, you put out one, I think um so you're still like 
writing for you and maybe we'll talk about this more later but writing for you is like you you have other you have other things that distract you for your your time now um and writing is is sort of like you go back to that maybe when you feel super inspired or um, yeah the the thing is you know i got into writing a lot of nonfiction because my uh my my hobby is amateur astronomy and uh that got way out of hand to the point where i was building my own telescopes and things and uh submitting articles to a magazine called Sky and Telescope magazine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they published articles about several of my projects. And then the uh, editor of that department, uh, the, the uh, telescope workshop department, um, retired. And they asked me if I would continue writing that column. So now I'm writing that column about other people's telescope stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I've discovered I really love writing nonfiction. Um, that's great uh, it's so to me nonfiction is like falling off a log it's way easier than fiction mm-hmm. and, it, and it pays better um, so uh, <laughs> you know I kind of cut back on the fiction but yeah a couple of years ago I wrote a story about the DART mission to crash an, a probe into an asteroid and uh, sold it to Analog and it won their Reader's Choice Award for the year uh, it was the most popular novella of the year that's incredible. Good job, Jerry. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like wow, I still got it, you know. <laughs> no. so, can't take uh, can't take Jerry out of the game. No way, no way. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm 66 now, so most people retire at that age. But I, I have no intention of doing that. Uh, I've just I've slowed down the fiction a bit, but uh, I've written two stories in the last month. Um, one's going to go to Analog, and one's going to go to FNSF. Whether oh or not gosh. to buy them, of course, I have no idea yet, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm still enjoying writing. So mm-hmm. great that, that that's good. That's good to hear. I wasn't sure what you're necessarily like. I I just saw like through your um, publishing history, you know, like I didn't know where you'd be at now. But that's that's really great. You sort of have this very like uh, mature relationship with your writing now, where you like approach it. <laughs> well, I had the luxury. I have the luxury of. Uh, a wife who has a good day job, so uh, I don't have to produce writing. I, you know, I can just write when I feel like it. And, uh, <laughs> that's a gift. I tell you what, man, I, I am eternally grateful for that, and I make sure she knows it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure out your your whole situation, Jerry, so I can. <laughs> um, well, well, we uh, periodically, we periodically over the years have reevaluated it, you know, and I, I will sit down and I'll ask her straight out, you know, are you still happy with this arrangement? And she always has been. So I've, I've never had to earn a ton of money. Hello, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to segue into talking about these book tie in or these game tie in books I've done, you know, the money for those was not too bad, I have to say. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what I, what, what I've heard. And I, I'm really curious. Okay, so what we're really here to talk about today, um, I get very excited and sidetracked with conversations about writing. So, um, but what we're really here to talk about today. So in, in 1998, um, the, the PC world was, uh, sh- was shook <laughs> uh, when a game called Unreal came out, um, which right. was published by Digital Extremes. Uh, it was developed um, by, well, Cliff Blazinski was one of the directors, or he was the game director or story director. He's one of those. Anyway, Cliff Blazinski right. is a big part of it. And Cliff is, of course, like, you know, he's one of those rock star game developers. Um, it was the the Quake Killer, I guess, you know, it was, it, right. was, it you know, John Romero, John Carmack, like, you know, it it, it shoved them under. And it was like Unreal came out and it, and it introduced a lot of, in, like, 
new things to the first person shooter genre. And a big part of it was, uh, you know, narrative and, and, and game telling, which, you know, in 1998 standards was pretty big. And, uh, right. you know, you, you, the, the, the game is that you wake up on this prison ship and, uh, you're like prisoner eight, eight, nine or something like that. And then you can kind of go around and you find like these data pads with like, with, the uh, sort of like story stuff on it. Like, you know, where, who the other people were and what happened, you leave right. the ship, you're on this giant world of Nepali. And, you know, there's these, these crazy big predator looking aliens called scars scars and uh there are the nepali people who are enslaved by them and, and sort of the game is like you you know running through these environments and eventually killing i think the the, the uh the hive mind or the, the 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 i forget what it was i haven't i actually haven't played the game for over 10 years right. every, every once in a while i go back and i play it um but anyways it came out in 1998 it's supposed to come out in 97 it got pushed and uh it was it was a huge crazy success uh and it and it just came out like six months before half-life which would go on half-life would go on to like just completely change everything but um 98 was crazy for video games but that's what i'm trying to say but anyway what's that sorry it was funny that you know it came out in 98 it was supposed to come out in 97 and that's why my book came out in 97 Yes, they were supposed to come out simultaneously, and they did not. <laughs> <laughs> so that so so there's a lot of interesting uh, publication things about this book, oh, yeah, or, or, or these books, um, yeah. which yeah. is is fascinating. So there were two books published in '97, correct? Right. Were they published in '97? I think they. Well, let's see. Um, let me look at the publication date. I got it right here. But I we wrote them in mid '97 to a very tight deadline. So, uh, yeah, actually, it says first printing April of 98. So, yeah, they must have come out in early 98. Okay. So, it was, it was, it was around, so it was, I guess it was around that time then. That, that's fine, I guess. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so, the the books, which, which I read, and I thought they were really, I mean, you have to understand, like, game books game lore now like is a whole business right like oh i'm sure yeah books this was was brand new back when we were doing it in 97 yeah (laughs) incredibly new so you guys had like bare bones of like what the story was so i kind of want to know um i'm saying a lot but i I, it's because i'm just excited but (laughs) what i want to know is um first of all how did you stumble upon this gig now i know you were doing like you were working with some media tie-in stuff for like star trek and you right. had done some some other things. Um, so I was curious how like you, I guess it was the pocketbooks connection. Right. But I was uh, interested, to, like, were you into video games and you saw this come up and you're like, cool. Or you, I know a lot of people who don't really play video games and they write video game books. So it was me. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so for me, I guess I'm really, I'm really curious as to how you stumbled into this opportunity. Okay. Well, the way it works is that I, uh, I was uh, writing Star Trek books for John Ordover. He was the editor there at Pocket Books. And uh, let's see, I'm looking up on my wall to see. I had read, I had written two of them already. Um, I had the covers up on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd written two of them, of the Star Trek books. And uh, a friend of mine named Dean Wesley Smith had also been writing Star Trek books. And uh, John Ordover got the call from uh, the developers of Unreal. And they said, hey, we'd like to have a couple of books uh out uh on our game you know and we got this deadline coming up 
and they had assumed that the book that the game was going to be out in early 98 and so uh, john ordover knew that i i could write quickly um one of my my, my very first star trek book was written to fill a gap in the publishing slot that somebody else had failed to fill uh, they, they punted on their book and john uh, i don't know how he got a hold of me and, and thought that i could write fast because i didn't think i could write fast um, but he offered me this book and I decided, you know, for the amount of money he's offering, yes, I'll write fast. And, uh, and so I did, I, I delivered a Star Trek book that he really liked and it was done pretty quickly, I think two months or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did another Star Trek book over, over, uh, you know, a more reasonable amount of time. So anyway, the Unreal guys get a hold of Ordover and say, we need a book, um, or we'd like a book, but it needs to be done quickly. So John contacts Dean Smith and me, and he said, uh, we need this this book or a couple of books and we need them in six weeks <laughs> like, <What>? okay <laughs> well you know it doesn't have to be a 500 page tome but it's got to be at least you know 300 pages or so uh, it's got to be a book you know and um this was before the internet this was back when you know you'd uh, stick a floppy disk in your drive and load up America online and put your, your phone modem in a little cradle and, you know, listen to it go bing, bing, bing as it's connected. Um, and so we got together on America online in a little chat room on AOL. And uh, we uh, spent an afternoon typing back and forth to each other um, our, uh, our ideas for what we could do for this game. We had almost no idea what the game was about. Um, I think the developers, after we agreed to do it and then came up with a basic plot, they sent us uh, what they had for a story Bible, but it was still evolving. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we came up with an idea of doing um, a, a backstory before the scourge had come to uh, Nepali and, uh, and uh, you know, or, or I guess when they had come to Nepali. Um, that was the backstory, and then the uh, the story of the uh, the first really serious resistance. Um, Dean was going to write the early story, and I was going to write the later story. And uh, gosh, I'm I'm kind of blathering on here, but uh, no, um, it, it's great. It's totally great. Um, uh, so the 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 way it worked out, you know, we uh, we had brainstormed an idea that uh, John Ordover really loved, and that was that uh, since we had a backstory and a front story. How about we shuffle the chapters? Uh, so, you know, one story or one chapter would be the backstory. The next chapter would be the 400 years later, back and forth and back and forth. And so Dean and I were kind of careful to write equivalent chapters and we would check in with each other as we were writing. And, and you know, first you outline the book in like a 10 page outline or so, not, not a whole lot of work building the outline, but it would give the other guy a kind of a general idea of the, where it was going. And it would give edit, uh, Ordover and the guys at the Unreal Development Game uh, Game Development Department uh, give them a sense of where we were going with this, and they could uh, they could stop us if we were going in the wrong direction or what have you. Mm -hmm. So anyway, with the outlines in hand, uh, Dean and I would write these. Uh, we, you know, we set to work writing, and we were writing like a chapter a day. Um, you know, just really buzzing through it. And uh, I got to I got to show you something. This this might be a clip. <laughs> you want to show. Um, I came up with lit, lit X, Literary Express, for when it absolutely positively has to be published tomorrow. That was my letterhead when we sent the book <laughs> to John. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, so we, uh, 
you know, we finished him up and sent him off to John. And then, uh, you know, the way it works in the publishing industry is after you send the book in, they're done with you until they need something more from you. Uh, and usually it's proofs. Um, and I honestly don't remember ever getting proofs. I think, you know, we had to short circuit that part of the deal because it was so fast. Um, I, what I remember was um, getting a box of these books in the mail. Uh, I'm all excited. And, uh, you know, we decided, at first we decided that they were going to shuffle the chapters and then we decided that they weren't. Um, and that, you know, Dean's book would be book one and mine would be book two. And, uh, and that was the last I'd heard, but, you know, it'd been a week or two and I hadn't heard anything more. And, and then the <laughs> books show up in the mail and I open up the box, I'm all excited and I'm looking at it and I realize, well, book one is starting in the middle. And uh, oh, this isn't good, uh, <laughs> you know, and I pick up book two and sure enough, that's the beginning. And then I realize, oh, the chapters are shuffled at least. Um, but, you know, book one only had... Uh, my name, Ryan Hughes, my, my pseudonym, right? Ryan Hughes, and book two only had Dean's name on it. Uh, and yet the chapters were shuffled. And then I started kind of thumbing through and it's like, oh, you know what? Some of these chapters are out of order. And, uh, <laughs> I, I actually phoned up John Ordover. Um, you know, it was before the internet. He didn't send an email. Uh, I phoned him up and there was this long silence on his end as I was describing all the things that were wrong with the book. <laughs> John's like, you know what we're going to do about this? No, John, what are we going to do about this? Absolutely nothing. Because the game hasn't come out yet and the game won't be out for months. And <laughs> books, they have, you know, every book has a shelf life, um, you know, maybe two or three weeks before, uh, you know, something else takes its place on the on the rack in the bookstore. And, uh, you know, without the game to push the books and, you know, the books were there to help push the game and it was supposed to be a synergy thing going. Um, sales were like in the dozens, you know, the, <laughs> we, we, we saw literally dozens of books. Uh, I think I still get royalty statements and I think we're up to like 750 copies have sold now. Right. <laughs> you know, and I don't know where they're coming from now. Once they, uh, once they hit a thousand, man, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, John realized this book was just going to die anyway. So there was nothing you're going to do about it. So what Dean and I did is we printed little labels that we could stick on the books, you know, and it says, read chapters 16 and 17 before chapters 14 and 15. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And this is book number two, not book number one. And we just <laughs> stuck them on the books and we'd go out and we'd, we'd sell them as the most screwed up book in publishing history. And people would buy it for that, but not for the story, which was sad because we worked really hard on it. And we, we really thought we did well with the stories. And I still think that. I, I reread it again in anticipation of this interview. And it's like, I did a good job. And so did <laughs> Dean. <laughs> yes. So, so. So here, like, here's the thing. So like to, to anyone, uh, let me just explain it exactly. But Unreal is coming out, right? And uh, where, they, where they want to do media tie and they want to do books because this is becoming more and more of a business, more of they right. wanted to hit wider demographics and everything. They wanted to pull the science fiction readership into the game is what they wanted to do. Yes. So they, uh, so the, so the books that, that Dean Wesley Smith and that uh, Jerry worked on in six weeks um were published into two volumes um 
And <laughs> the first volume is is titled, well, the first, the, the book with number one on it is called Hard Crash, but that's technically book two. Right. And then book book two is called Prophet's Power. And that is technically book one. And right. specifically in Hard Crash, that is actually book two. Uh, there are uh, two instances where chapters have been switched, you know, that were switched in the printing situation, which is like, you know, really crazy. Like, it's just crazy because because I, I if I, I was reading it and I was like, well, let me see if I just read this. Like if I were an un like somebody who didn't know what was going on, like it's it's very jarring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there was there were I can't remember who who or where the review uh, was, but somebody reviewed it and said, well, it's an it's a mess. This book is a mess. And I uh, I went ahead and joined in and logged on and I said, yeah, it sure is. And that's because, you know, <laughs> X, Y and Z. And I gave him a roadmap of how to actually read the book. And to, to his credit, the reviewer went back and reread it and he he uh, added to his review and said, you know, once I had the roadmap, it was pretty good. <laughs> but I have, to, I have to add a thing. I, mm -hmm. I found out from John uh, what had happened to the book. Uh, they had a, a, a publishing uh, assistant who, um, for one reason or another, was not working out. And so they fired him. But they didn't. <laughs> they, they let him work out the rest of the day. <laughs> and he was working on my book. No. Uh, Right. And so it's like he just he trashed it on purpose, as far as I can tell. <laughs> I wonder where that guy is today. Like, I wonder who that guy is and like what he thinks about that. And if like, I hope that he knows that he made some like a lot of people super sad. <laughs> well, here's the deal, though. If I ever meet up with that guy, I'm just going to sit down and have a beer with him. It's like, you know, water under the bridge at this point. <laughs> you know, we'll just we'll have a good laugh about it and go on with our lives. <laughs> so um, I have a couple of a couple of questions. Uh, so, yeah, so the book was printed out of order, you know, uh, just a, a real mess. Uh, it, did it go? It was just mass market, right? It just went into mass yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so one one question I have is in the development. Did you get to talk to Cliff Blazinski at all? Like, was he part of the conversation? Do you remember? I, I don't remember that name. So I probably didn't. I, I talked to a couple of the developers. Um, boy, name's long gone now. Yeah, sure. Um, and they sent me, um, you know, like a story Bible, a very, very brief, like five page story Bible. And um, I think they, was it this one? No, it was the Shadow Warrior books. They sent me some audio clips. I nice. don't think I had any audio clips from Unreal. Um, they sent <laughs> um, some screen clips. That, that's it. They sent some screen clips so I could get oh, a, cool. an idea of what the Scars looked like and what the uh, Nepali looked like and that sort of thing. So cool. They were definitely, they were very responsive. They were, they were uh, gung ho about it, you know. So that's a really cool uh, thing to to mention about actually them being so responsive and helpful. Um, mm -hmm. So Epic, so so Digital Extremes uh, became becomes Epic Games uh, through a buyout process. It actually happened pretty soon after this uh, time, right. and uh, Epic Games went on to be the like the developers behind Gears of War. And uh, Gears of War, uh, Karen Travis wrote a bunch of books for Gears of War, and she said that, um, you know, she was given like a, a, a lore Bible for what what they had, you know, and um, the, the, the people were like, we like for the first book that she wrote for them, they're like, we want this one particular character to die and be mm -hmm. at this location. 
And then you can kind of pretty much write in everything else that you want to write in. And she said they were fabulous to work with. So right. it, it seems that their history of working with um, like media tie-in help was like really great. It, as opposed to something like maybe Star Wars, which is a little more, uh, uh, Star Wars can be like a little more difficult to work with uh, yeah. as, as, a, as, a, as a thing. Um, and, and you actually wrote uh, a short story, I think, for... Uh, I, I, Star Wars back then was probably a little more easier to deal with than they are now. Like as a, it as was. A, um, a I, I wrote a short story for their Cantina anthology. You know where we would each pick a character in the Cantina and tell their backstory. And uh, I picked the guy wearing the spacesuit. And it's mm -hmm. like nobody wears spacesuits in in Star Wars anymore. Why is this guy wearing a spacesuit? And uh, so I, I thought, well, I got to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly remember that I had to run that past continuity or anything like that. Right. Uh, I'm sure at some point in the process, uh, somebody from Star Wars read through all the stories and made sure they didn't violate any of their core principles, you know. Yeah, George George Lucas just looking at it, making yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I doubt if you know, I, I doubt if they got as far as Lucas, right? I think he had better things to do with his time. Um, well, yeah, yeah I guess, the, the, you know, Star Trek. I've written for them and. Uh, you write your own outline you tell them what you intend to write and then they either okay it or not and mm -hmm. they don't tinker much they they either tell you yeah go for it or, or now nah, try something else um but they don't really dictate what you're gonna do it's it's like to me that's like the most like fascinating part because something like star trek and then kind of like well star wars in like the 90s was a little more wild west than it is now but yeah. the you know star trek you know that that's a pretty i mean for i would say at that time still like at that time it was definitely like super serious about its its world i guess right, right. not it's not as not its world as a <laughs> i mean like its universe but like its world of people who are writing in it and doing stuff mm -hmm. um because that was probably were you, was that was the was next generation out by, at that point i think so by then yeah yeah um the thing about the Star Trek books is they were not they were not considered canon, and uh -huh. so you know you could do anything we wanted in the books. Uh, you know, as long as the, the one rule is that you had to deliver the bridge crew intact at the end of the book. Uh, <laughs> you know, you couldn't kill off the bridge crew. <laughs> but so of course I took that as a challenge, and then was it my my second one for them? I killed off all the bridge crew. <laughs> and uh, you know just dropping like flies one after another through the book and i just i wanted the editor i i, I did this just for john ordover i wanted him to go crazy pulling his hair out because i'm killing off the bridge crew and then of course i dropped them back at the end of the book and, uh, <laughs> and i thought i did it in a pretty clever way and uh, you know they let me get away with that they, they were totally happy with it because it's like it wasn't canon and uh, star wars i think they thought it was canon mm -hmm. To tie it back into the Unreal, I think what we were writing was intended to be canon, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we did have to stick to the uh, um, the basic idea, you know, a spaceship full of prisoners crashes on the planet, and uh, you know, we followed the uh, the action of the game as much as we could, um, but we got to invent so much stuff along the way, um, you know, like that. There's that. There's that like shower that they take that they can like like it fixes them. Oh, right, right, right. My, like, my, like, favorite, 
My like, favorite invention was the Scourge waste sucker. And then I thought, what if these aliens just have this really weird technological way to go to the bathroom? It's <laughs> 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 like, they, they were cool with it. They let me do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so yeah, back, sorry, back to the book. I, 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 get, I get distracted very easily when I talk about <laughs> this too. stuff. Um, so, so in, you know, the book is, there's the first occupation and second occupation, right? So the, the chapters are told in, uh, you read the first occupation, the, they, they revolve. And right. there's the first occupation takes place 400 years before the second occupation. And we think we covered right. that. Um, but the, the, the first occupation depicts like the story of this um, Nepali um, uh, alien who is becomes, he, he's the one who sort of leads a resistance initially. Uh, he, he, he gets in touch with this AI uh, mm-hmm. situation on this ship that like give talks to him and kind of gives him these these like uh doesn't give him like full like details of what's going to happen but gives him like like prophecies almost right exactly and um essentially like he like he's been told that there will be an avenging angel blah 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 that'll come back and really defeat the scar because the first occupation really they're just dealing with like a handful of scar that crashed there and then in like 400 years, the Scar had eventually decided to colonize the planet and enslave the people. Right. And this prison ship lands and this, they become part, like the people who land become part of this resistance. And one of the characters is the Avenging Angel character. And, right. um, and, oh my God. Oh, and I think what was uh, really interesting about this particular planet is that like it has this weird like magnetic field or it's, right. i don't know if it's if it has a magnetic field or if it's like the the pteridium ter- 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 or whatever pteridium. Right. yeah the, the shtick was that the pteridium had some kind of a radiation that would mess with uh communications and and yeah, uh, yeah so uh once you were down you were stuck you know you couldn't couldn't radio out for help or what have you mm-hmm. It was and, just a, uh, it was a convenient way to keep uh, keep the outside universe at bay, basically. Yeah, no, su- su- super smart, and I also like that that there's certain um, native characters to the planet who are like super sensitive to the pteridium. Right, right. And like they have to be like almost like excommunicated from their villages because they're right. Like, and they have to go live out in the wilderness. And I thought that was an interesting touch because that's where you kind of start with the character uh the hot hot I, I don't know how to pronounce his name i guess it's hot or... i think dean called him haute haute okay okay so, i don't really know yeah but i think that <laughs> so was... so haute uh is uh you know he's sensitive to this pteridium stuff and it, it, it makes him kind of be out in the wilderness and then find this ship and like all this stuff so right. I, I thought that was a really cool touch you know um you know for for me as someone who really loves the the game unreal like i remember because i grew up i was 10 years old when unreal came out and i remember like my first i know jerry's probably like what the fuck um <laughs> <laughs> i was what 30 something <laughs> you're probably about my age now you're like, i'm like 35 so it's probably like like around there yeah. but um but like i remember i'd go to the library with my mom and i always look at the pc gamer magazines and man right. Oh, when Unreal was coming out, that was like every issue it was just like, look at these crazy ass graphics and these characters and the scar are scary as shit. And yeah. it was like, it was so cool. And, um, you know, like for me, like I really at that age started reading books based around like science fiction and, and video games too. Had no idea that these Unreal books were even a thing. And 
you know, my library probably couldn't get them or, you know, even though, <laughs> you know, whatever, but right. um, anyways, I I, in the library buying those books, given the covers, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe an adult library, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the wrong audience. Yeah. Wrong, wrong audience possibly. Um, but uh, my mom was great though. She kind of would let me read anything. Like I used to sit up in the uh, sci-fi section at the library and I was reading like Timothy Zahn's Star Wars books and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, that was that was a good time. Uh, yeah. So I guess I'm going to move away from the plot of the book, but I wanted to ask you too, because I think we kind of touched on it for uh -huh. a second there, but like you and video games, are is that even a relationship that you've ever had or just not interesting to you? You know, Back in the in the mid '80s, uh, I was uh, working in a Computerland store when uh, Macintosh first came out and the PC One, and and then they came out with the PC Junior. Mm -hmm. And one of the th things that they were trying to sell the PC Junior for was video games. And so they came out with King's Quest. And if, if I remember right, King's Quest was like the first game where you actually saw someone walking around on the screen. You know, all the previous stuff like Zork, you know, that was all text based, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That was the big game back then, right? Mm -hmm. But so PC Junior came out and, uh, you know, the flagship program was King's Quest. And uh, I was working at the store and I convinced my boss that somebody in the store needed to be a virtuoso at King's Quest, uh, you know, in order, in order to show the, uh, right? So I got to take one of these things home and I played with it and played with it and played with it. And uh, I got pretty darn good at King's Quest, I have to say. And uh, I could show people, uh, you know, there were there were little Easter eggs in there and I could show people where the Easter eggs were and, and uh, you know, give them hints of, you know, if they get really stuck, it's like, well, maybe you're, you're in the wrong part of the castle, you know, try try this other part of the castle. You might find something useful over there, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, yeah, back in the day, I was pretty good at video games and uh, enjoyed the heck out of it. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, that was kind of the peak of my video game experience. Beyond that, I never really kept up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, when it got to be kind of first-person shooters, uh, I, I think my, my interest had already kind of waned by the time it got to the first-person shooter game. Uh, so I never really played much of those. And, um, you know, and then I... I was never good enough to compete with anybody at those, right? So <laughs> none of the online multiple player games, you know, never did any of that. Um, so yeah, it was a kind of an odd choice that they would ask me to write a book about a video game. It's it, it's it's actually really it's really not, and 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 I, I bring it up not to like put you on the spot because um, actually, like uh, I'll reference Karen Travis again. It does the Gears of War book, like. She doesn't play video games at all, you know, and she's she's probably I think she's in her 60s now. Um, okay. But like, you know, people people for some reason, like uh, on the Internet will be like, well, how can you write video game books if you've never played video games? And like to me, I thought that's like such a silly thing, because like if you were to read the books, you realize that that's not a requirement, like understanding right. like the world and the fiction <laughs> is right. a writer's job. And the the interacting with that is the player's job right right so yeah, the so. play the player comes to it to 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 enjoy what the writer has given them you don't have to have um you know be a hardcore gamer so that you understand how to write a video game like it's it's all fiction it's all lore you know so um i just well, think it's a really 
for me, like, I, I, it's a question I like to ask, you know, more people who've done this type of, of work, like what their relationship is to video games, because sometimes they're just like, yeah, I don't even, it's like not even a thing. Like, it's not something I even do, which right. I think is, is kind of, is like kind of cool, you know, because as somebody who, <laughs> you know, as somebody who does, you know, I still play video games at 35 and, and I obviously I love video game novels and novelizations almost maybe more than video games now at my age, but right. Uh, but for me, like it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. And and usually, so, so, you know, back to, um, you know, talking about how you were sad about how like these books didn't get to the reader's hands and how like, you're happy that I was able to get my hands on some copies and, right. um, you know, uh, uh, Karen Travis, once again, when I was talking to her was also upset that, you know, people like she just wanted the readers to have this the thing right she wanted right. you just right. want to give entertainment to the people who care about the final product or what the product ties into so it's right. like it's such a bummer when you're like you feel like you've hit like a roadblock with your work that there are people out there wanting it or you know that that want to like ingest it and then you just there's like no real way to get it to them yeah and I, you know i was really sad after unreal came out after the game came out and made a big splash and became a very popular game i thought you know here's this pair of books that could be republished in the correct order and uh, you know it really it could have been uh, you know a really neat thing it wouldn't have been necessarily a gold mine for anybody but it would have been just a neat thing for fans of the game to have but by the time the game became popular, the books were not even available anymore. I think they'd they'd been um, remaindered and they were long gone. So uh, you know, there's, there's this little gem that I I wish that you know we could just put these up on Amazon for free or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so one of my like one of my eventual goals with all this that I'm doing mm -hmm. is to like do something like that, and especially like I think the Young Real books are a great example where if I could just get a hold of somebody and be like, you need to, you know, republish this, like in this order, this way, right. And we don't have to actually print it, but like, what if we just did, you know, just archived it digitally or something like that. So that right. it was available, like people could buy it for like three bucks or something, but like, so that it was like a final <laughs> product that like, you know, what was somebody, sorry. I, I, I think I still have the files in PC write format. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I think before I gave up using floppy disks, I think I copied them onto a hard drive. So they're they're probably on some backup drive somewhere at this point. <laughs> so yeah, we don't have to retype it all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So so like my goal, I mean, like if I could get like I'm trying to like reach out to a lot of people and like hopefully like if I get a hold of like Cliff Blazinski and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know if he owns Unreal anymore, but if I'm just like. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt he does. But like to be able to be like, hey, can we do you think that this is something that we could work on and make it like all the assets are there. It's just really it's just really being like more or less <laughs> poorly stated, but cock blocked by like <laughs> publication issues, like like just just it's just sitting there in in, right. an, like, in an office somewhere. Right. It's and, not doing anybody any good. I don't even know you know, who owns the rights to it anymore? That's the thing, you know, is it a pocketbook right? Or does the Unreal uh, game company own the rights? I really yeah, don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if like Epic Games owns it or if if pocketbooks just still holds the, you know, and the I know, From my perspective, I wrote it as work for hire, which means I don't own anything of it, you know? So yeah, they paid me for, uh, 
they paid me for the job of writing the book and then the, the book was theirs <laughs> so uh, yeah so uh, i won't be consulted if anybody does decide to publish it again <laughs> i'll make don't worry I, if if i somehow end up being like leading the charge on this jerry you will be part of this conversation i totally want to know about it but i am I, I i would be very happy to just have somebody else do all the work yeah that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> that'll be me i'll do it don't worry okay uh, sweet uh, the, so the other interesting part of this too, so we haven't, I mean, he's, he's here in the room with us, but Dean Wesley Smith. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so, uh, what's your, do, do you, do you still talk to him? Is he still sort of oh, in yeah. your life? Yeah. 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 Dean and I are good friends. Um, we, we, we had a little bit of a falling out for a while over uh, a writing group that we were both part of, but mm -hmm. we've patched that up and yeah, we're pretty good friends again. That's great. And Dean uh, is still publishing a magazine called Pulp House that he started years and years and years ago. It went on hiatus for many years and then started back up. And uh, Dean has published one of my stories in nearly every issue. So uh, yeah, you know, pretty good friend will do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And he, so so his his contribution, so he wrote the first occupation right. part of the story. So. Right. Yeah, so the early brainstormed, we brainstormed the two ideas together, mm. and then we basically decided. Uh, actually, you know, we had done the Shadow Warrior books um, previously, and uh, if, if I remember right, I wrote the early story and he wrote the later story for Shadow Warrior, mm. and so we switched. He did the early story for Hard Crash or for Unreal, and I did the later one. So it was just kind of almost a coin flip kind of a thing. So, so, so the Shadow Warrior stuff, I actually am hoping that maybe in the future, you and I could reconvene and talk about Shadow Warrior. Cause I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. That's I've like, got stories to tell. Yeah. That, so that one, so Shadow Warrior uh, was a PC game to anyone who's listening that came out uh, before Unreal. And it was more in a tradition of like the style of like Quake or Doom, like in terms of like how the world looked, but it had like, uh, let's say more of a sense of humor to it. Um, it was far sillier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very silly. And like that game would definitely not come out today for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but Main it, character's but, name was Lo Wang for one yeah. thing. I don't think we could get away with that now. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of like what we would consider politically incorrect uh, things in there. <laughs> right. um, but nevertheless, like Shadow Warrior was a big game and uh it was also done by digital extremes who did unreal so it was their game before unreal yeah. um i don't think cliff blazinski was part of that i forget um was it tim sweeney maybe sweeney i forget anyway uh i think he had a part in that but the the shadow warrior the shadow warrior books i do want to do a whole separate thing on because uh we met with a guy named rick ramo does he ring any bells no yeah, he was the developer that we were talking with in the Shadow Warrior. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to look him up after and see what he was part of. You know, a lot of the, it's like, you know, video game development is a lot like book, the book business where like people stay in it till they die. Right. So, so they just kind of move around. Like, you know, sure. they move, they move from different studios and stuff. I find that really interesting. Um, So, so yeah, so let me, let me bring, let me bring up my notes. Um. So, so one of the, so I got two, so I have two sort of, well, one question I, I just want to know out of my own curiosity sure. is that you worked on a different series called the, uh, the Dark Sun trilogy oh. or Dark, 
Dark Sun Dark, series or something? Yeah, it was Dark Sun. It was for TSR for the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons series. So, um, so, 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 a couple of questions. I noticed that uh, Troy Denning wrote some of them too. Okay, yeah. You know Troy Denning? I was just curious. No, you know. never oh. met. Never okay. met. <laughs> so, so Troy Denning, who wrote some of those books for Dark Sun, ended up writing a bunch of not only Star Wars novels. But uh -huh. he wrote uh, a lot of. There's this video game franchise called Halo, and he okay, wrote. I've heard of it. Yeah, he he wrote a. He, he's he's still writing Halo books now. Okay. And, uh, and he's part. Money, he's, the money must be pretty good. <laughs> the money is very good for Halo. <laughs> yeah. So that that was the thing, you know, when these uh, video game books and actually, you know, the Star Trek, Star Wars uh, tie-in books uh, back in the '90s, media tie-in books were a big hot thing, mm -hmm. and uh, you know. Uh, if I were to write my own novel and try and sell it through pocketbooks, it might sell two or 3,000 copies. But if I wrote a Star Trek novel, it would sell 20 or 30,000 copies, mm -hmm. you know, 10 times as much sales, 10 times as much exposure. Um, and so new writers especially were jumping on those right and left because they had got your name out there. And, uh, you know, Star Trek basically helped me buy my house. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was the down payment. Um, so, uh, you know, there was... There was uh, no real downside to that, you know. We we would think, oh gosh, people will think we're sellouts. But it's like everybody wanted to write for Star Trek, you know. It's like you know, Greg Benford wanted to write for Star Trek. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm not sure if Greg actually did. Greg, if you're listening, you have to click. He'll straighten me out if that's not true. <laughs> you know, a lot of well-known writers did, and um, you know, and then it got into things like Unreal and Shadow Warrior and stuff, and. When I saw the outline for, or, you know, the story bible for Shadow Warrior, it's like, oh, I totally went in because <laughs> it was just, it was a hoot. And it, it's super silly, super yeah, silly. It is, and then Unreal, it's like, wow, you know, the reason I wanted in on that was because it was so not me. I mean, I, I tend to write love stories, and I tend not to kill off characters, and uh, you know, this was blood and mayhem wholesale, and yeah. um, I just thought, I think I want to see if I can do it. And, uh, you know, and do it in a way to where it's not just gruesome for the sake of being gruesome. Um, but, you know, I want I want to create a, um, an alien race that's really nasty and, uh, you know, and have reasons for it, not just because that's what they want to be. And, and you know, so it was fun. I, I got to actually play in that kind of a universe. Um, and for me, it was a real uh, experiment in um, seeing how far I could push myself into an alternate realm and see if I could actually become um, for the duration of the writing of the novel if I could become a character that was really not me <laughs> and it turned out you know come to think of it okay I'm blathering on again but it was that way with the Dark Sun book um, my editor there uh, asked he, he said he wanted it to be a gladiator novel mm -hmm. I was like I don't want to write a gladiator novel <laughs> you know I want to write a novel about the magic right the Dark Sun's all about magic and, um, and uh, I wanted to write a story about somebody learning how to use magic. And he said, well, you know, you can do all these things. I just want it to be in a gladiator setting. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote about a guy learning to learn, uh, use his magic and he was forced to fight as a gladiator. So, uh, you know, I kind of, I, I, uh, I was pretty proud of it. It was my, uh, my dark fantasy, my Fed and Blunder book. And, and I, I was very proud of that. Yeah, I got I got to check that out because um well for, a couple of things. So you said it was it's part of a it's part of like the D and D license. Is that correct? 
the short story that the novel is based on, uh, you know, they, ha they had me do a short story first and that came out with the box set. It was in, it was in the box set of the game for background. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So do, do you play D&D &D or did you used to play D&D? Not very much. Uh, you yeah. know, I've done it. I've done a few rounds, but uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm a gamer, even in D and D. Yeah, um, that's that. It's it's well, that's interesting. So so I so D and D for me, like I I don't play D and D or even like the tabletop. Like I don't play it, but I have a lot of friends who do, and I really like watching them play. I just don't have like the time to like put like six months aside to meet up every two weeks to write do these campaigns that's it if you're gonna do a serious campaign you put some time into that yeah exactly so i just i really like admire and respect D, &D and i think it's you know first of all D, D is like the basic physical programming to what we understand as video games now right so right like uh a lot of video game systems um, use the D&D &D systems to be implemented in terms of like character leveling and stat, you know, placements and, you know, all the things, uh, conversations, uh, you know, uh, uh, damage per second, like mm -hmm. all these things that we've come to know and love about, uh, you know, like role-playing games as a video game really stemmed from D&D. &D. So I think that shit is just like the coolest. <laughs> it is, it is. It was kind of fun, you know, doing the D&D &D stuff, uh, you know, People wonder, did I have a 12-sided die that I was rolling to see how my characters would survive or, or not? You know? so I, I didn't do any of that. It's like, no, the story demanded that they survive at least to the end, right? And uh, so, yeah, they, they have to survive. You know, you don't get killed off and start over when you're writing a novel. <laughs> so, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, yeah, that'd be pretty tough. If, <laughs> yeah, right. 10 pages in, you, you don't get a crit roll and whatever. You get like you yeah. roll two. Right. Yeah. So no, I was I wasn't rolling dice. But on the other hand, I I did pay attention to uh, you know how many hit points a person might have and how often I could uh, have them survive an attack and you know and what weapons they might need to survive against a particular uh, uh, assailant. You know, and so I paid attention to the to the rules of the game and I did it as uh, as um, honestly as I could. But, uh, you know, I wasn't rolling dice to see whether or not they'd get out of a particular situation. <laughs> um, so, so a, a couple of things. Um, one is that for me, like this whole, these whole, the, these unreal books, this whole era to me is incredibly fascinating, right? So it's, it's sort of like a too bad situation. You had this incredible video game come out that was delayed because of just development issues. Right. Uh, and you had this media tie in that was just like just shy of being part of this. And this I just feel like these books would have been a bigger thing and even have maintained like a cult status if they were properly, properly distributed, like on, in a timely way. And mm -hmm. like even if they were published, like out of order and all that stuff, I know that like somehow the Internet because Internet forums were beginning at that time like people would figure right. it out and it would become like a a really cool secret thing you know and, and like i i could just see it like as like this like really cool cult thing and yet yeah. it it was like a misfire yeah <laughs> and it's you really know, it makes me crazy <laughs> it does it does i did get fan mail you know every now and then i would get fan mail and, and over the years i would get fan mail it's you know people would find it in their dad's basement or something you know uh so um, 
but you know, like I said, I think the the sales figures were like 750 copies uh, total sold. You know, so it's it's odd to think you know, out there. You, you know, even if you get five fan letters, that's a pretty high return on 750 copies. <laughs> it's a good it's a good ratio, yeah. <laughs> and I do think that yeah, the books are they were well written. Both Dean and I really worked hard at it. There was no cynicism. There was no writing for the money. We were writing because we wanted to tell the story, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like, that's, that's, that feels like they feel very, like the books feel genuine or the stories feel genuine. Um, Because, you know, yeah, you can be kind of cynical and there are cases where people do media tie-ins and they're just, they're just like the most lazy things uh <laughs> yeah you know, i've seen some of those <laughs> to be written right yeah but it, it like the unreal books feel so like even though they're kind of grim and, and violent they feel so sort of like giddy and joyous about um about the material in, in a way that i found mm-hmm. like just a well they're a breeze to read too which i i think is is really fun um and it, they do just feel genuine and it feels like both you and Dean had a lot of fun just making this, you know, it doesn't, that was, that it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, nobody had a gun to your head. I mean, you guys did write in six weeks, like it's kind of like a gun to your head, but like, it, it doesn't <laughs> feel like no one, it, it just feels like you guys really had a nice time and a fun time making this. And I think that is, uh, just very apparent and i just love that about it actually myself and you know the writing process you you'd think it was a grueling experience writing a book in six weeks but it was not uh in that uh, you know we brainstormed the outline in just like a day mm-hmm. uh and um and then you just leap into it and the thing about writing fast is it's so tight you know the, you you don't uh you don't forget what you did in chapter one when you're at chapter 30 because you you just you wrote that three or four days ago and uh you know, Dean and I were on the phone back and forth to each other all the time. And uh, I think well, there must have been email back then. I, I guess. Yeah, it was there, there had to have been. By yeah. way of AOL and putting your phone in the little couple, you know, acoustically coupled modem. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so we would email each other back and forth. And uh, but uh, Dean and I spent a lot of time on the phone just talking about it. And, uh, you know, every time you'd come up with something really cool, you'd have to call the other guy up and say, look what I just did, you know, and we'd read a chunk to each other. And you know, I, I just have these memories of how much fun it was. And, it, and part of the fun was knowing that we were under that kind of time pressure and knowing that both of us had the chops. We were going to do it. There was, there was no doubt we were going to do it. Uh, so it just became, you know, it's kind of like when you're in the seventh inning and uh you know you got one run to, to make in order to win the game it's like yeah we're gonna do this you know mm-hmm. and the doing is gonna be hard and we have to really keep our stuff together here but we're gonna do it <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that was the way we felt <laughs> yeah it's 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 really remarkable i mean it's it's a really interesting part of like it's just a really interesting part to me in in, in video game history that is kind of I don't want to say forgotten because that kind of sounds like mean, like I don't, I don't mean it like that, but it's, it's something that happened that uh, I think a lot more people would appreciate if they knew it, like it was a thing like, and uh, you know, yeah. there's like, there's really no like record of these, of these books in, in too many places. Like you can't find them anywhere. You can't, um, there isn't, uh, you know, a lot of coverage on it. Just sort of like, uh, you know, shouts and murmurs across the internet, but very little information. And yeah. uh 
you would think, yeah. you know, this being the information age, that it would be available electronically. And uh, that's what I'm I saying, would... man. I'm telling you, we gotta, we gotta get it, we gotta get it put together as a, as a passion project, just so yeah. like. Well, DRM free. I've got my files, and I'm pretty sure Dean still got his. And you know, we have OCR. If we really had to just scan a book, you know, yeah. so we can get this done. <laughs> I'm Jerry. I'm telling you, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to I'm going to try to make something happen. <laughs> oh, I'm excited too. Yeah, <laughs> I really I really want to make it like something that a thing to happen. So it might take me a few years, but I, I really I really want to. It's like something that I feel like just has to like be part of this uh video game history novel video game novel history it's just to oh, me yeah. it's just important and yeah. uh it, you know and the it, thing is you know in, during the during the time that this was happening there was a lot of media tie-in work and uh it was starting to get kind of a bad rep because uh there were people in there that were just doing it for the money and they didn't really care mm -hmm. but there were a lot of people who were doing it because they loved the series you know and this is why I was writing Star Trek, and uh, you know, I didn't I didn't know enough about Unreal to have an opinion about it, but I I liked what I saw, and you know, I turned down several media tie-in offers. Um, <laughs> I turned down a, a book about a submarine that needed to be ghostwritten for a famous uh, submarine <laughs> submarine writer. Uh, or, you know, yeah, right. That book. I, I did not ghostwrite that book. So. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What book? What book? <laughs> well, okay. The Hunt for Red October came out, right? And I did not. No, that was not the one that was offered. There was another famous book that came out not long after The Hunt for Red October that was almost as good. And it was almost the same story, which is why I didn't write it. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it did quite well. I, I would have, I'd be living in a bigger house if I had done it. <laughs> but I didn't what's want- a, What's a bigger house, Jerry? I mean, really. That's it. You know, mine's, my, it would still be full of stuff. So, you know, full is full. It doesn't matter. But no, I turned down, I turned down, uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, Lost in Space, the novelization of the movie. Oh, interesting. Well, that, that movie was not very good, so. It was terrible and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And uh, you know, Joe I saw, I, I, my mom took me to see that in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an awful movie. That movie, I, I thought it was bad then. Yeah, and you know, they wanted me to novelize it, and I said, "Can I fix the science mistakes?" And it's like, "No, we got to write it. Now. You got to write what happened in the movie." And it's like, no thanks." <laughs> I, you know, you just you can't write something that you don't care about. You just, yeah. you know, if you do, it's going to be a pile of poo. So you know, you just don't do that. <laughs> where, so where do you where do you stand now like well, are you still a trekkie or or is that not really a big absolutely thing? yeah but I, I'm, I'm like original trek i you know trek classic that's my trek yeah. that's your trek do you, yeah. do you watch like the new shows at all just to see what's going on or you're not really into it you know i can't remember which season i stopped at um i don't remember the the last the last couple of um of franchises i have not paid any attention to the mm -hmm. uh, card i think is one of them and the, the one that came out before that i, I think discovery that. or something was the one before discovery, that maybe that was it but yeah you know i'd watch the first episode or two and it's like nah it looks to me like they're just they're just milking the cow some more you know and so i wasn't really into it on the other hand that could be a totally bogus impression because i know there are a lot of people who really like these new ones and so 
I'm not going to denigrate something that somebody likes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a different audience for sure. Like for me, like I, next generation, I love next generation. Uh, that's, that's where I'm like good at. And I, I haven't yeah. watched Picard, which I should, I guess, because everyone says it's pretty good if you like next generation. So, right. but like when I was growing up in like the nineties, like, you know, it was Picard for me, you know? And then like my dad would show me the old, um tv show in the movies and it was like that was like his star trek right but i really but i really liked like i would you know when i got when i would sit home at night on and watch tv it was buffy it was the next generation and it was x files right it was perfect <laughs> yep yep yeah you had you had everything for you there yeah <laughs> with, with me it was the original star trek you know watching it on a black and white television set with your hand on the antenna to get better reception <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah that was that was it was one of like three science fiction shows that you could get at the time mm -hmm. so um, yeah i grew up on that kind of stuff and you know to me the uh, the opportunity to write star trek uh, it was it was a shock. I I had never thought that it was even possible. You know, you, I thought you had to know somebody in order to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I I think I got it because I did um, I did the Dark Sun book by then, and I did a couple of books in the Isaac Asimov Robot City series. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had kind of proved that I was able to write inside someone else's universe without breaking it, and I think that's what got me uh, the offer to do the Star Trek book. It's 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 interesting uh, too that you said previously that like people get these like chances to do um, like uh, Star Trek and and like the, the the audience for their work just like skyrockets from right and, right and and I and so I pay attention a lot to that stuff more in a contemporary sense like especially like the the uh, the Star Wars books you know that are you know now they'll they'll have somebody that you'll see you know, they'll do two or three books. And then all of a sudden, like a year or two later, they come out with their own novel. Right. And it, and it does really like, I think Chuck Wendig is a, is a good example. He did uh, three Star Wars novels for when the, the new movie was coming out the, of the first trilogy, you know, the first movie of the new trilogy was coming out. Right. And uh, then he ended up, now he has, now he has his own, he doesn't touch, touch Star Wars anymore. So yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, so he was, he was able to do that. And it, it, it's interesting, you know, that um, I'm sure the, the reach of Star Wars media books is just, I mean, it reaches me, but I mean, I'm sure it reaches like the, oh, yeah. the well, with the, with the Star Trek stuff, you know, typically 20 or 30,000 uh, copies would be sold. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I started my, my very first novel was my own set in my own universe and it sold reasonably well like 3,000 copies or so for mm -hmm. a first run paperback um but then you know right after that I did the uh, the dark sun let's see I'm looking at uh you know I did the robots and aliens books next and then I did the dark sun and then I did some star trek and then the unreal and shadow warrior and I did all these media tie-ins and I started realizing you know I'm building up an audience here and uh, so I tried another one of my own novels and uh, let's see, I'm looking up here. What was that event? It would have been Abandoned in Place, mm -hmm. um, which came out in hardcover and sold a couple thousand copies in hardcover, which is pretty surprising. That's um, great. And, uh, you know, and then they did a trade paperback. And, you know, so I had a pretty good uh, readership built up by the time by the time my own novel started coming out. And, uh, you know, I think if I tried to just keep pushing my own novels to begin with, I, I might very well have not gotten as far as I did. Yeah, I mean, um, for you, so like, uh, 
once you like, um, uh, yeah, that this is like sort of we. This is how I'll sort of like segue into sort of the 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 the, the uh, ending of our conversation. But like you did, okay. you did like these uh, these media tie-ins, and then you kind of went back into your work. And do you? I mean, yeah, I guess. What am I trying to ask exactly? Is like. I bet the question is, why did I stop doing media tie-ins? Is that the question? I, I guess, I guess, more or less. Why? Did, I get, I guess that's part of it. I guess, yeah. Uh huh. Well, I did have one more Star Trek book that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and that was because uh, John Ordover uh, he commented that I'd written a couple, like three, three books by then, in which Kirk had not gotten lucky. And he, he said, <laughs> "That's kind of that's kind of out of character." So I wrote an outline for a book called Kirk Gets Lucky. And uh, <laughs> it was, and what it was, of course, he was cursed by an alien who could actually manipulate reality to actually have luck. You know, it wasn't like you know sexual at all. It was he was cursed with luck. But the problem is, it was actually a curse in that you know it's unlucky to go into battle, right? So every time the Enterprise would gear up to to go defend some planet, it would break down because uh, you know it's unlucky to go into battle. <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant outline, uh, you know, because Kirk, of course, has to try and track down this alien and get them to remove the curse is what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's being transported into the, you know, into the bedroom of the you know, and captain. You know, <laughs> he does kind of get lucky in that regard. So Ordover thought it was the perfect blend and he thought it was great. And we sent that off to the continuity person at Paramount Pictures. And you could hear the explosion from Oregon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the fastest and loudest no I've ever heard. Oh no! <laughs> you know? So that kind of that kind of dampened my flame for a little bit. And uh, but I, the, the real reason is that I just started writing my own novels, and uh, you know I kind of I, I got to the point where that was what I wanted to do more. And uh, I I um, I don't know. It wasn't that I just didn't want to write the tie-in books i well oh you know what come to think of it another thing that was going on um the star trek books in particular um they had peaked and were coming down the other side they were not selling as well um the uh they'd overdone it they were publishing too many of them and uh i kind of felt like well i'm in a financial situation now where i really don't need the money mm-hmm. um, and uh you know, I needed to be making an income, but I was writing my own books and selling those. And so I thought, well, all right, I can, I can make it on my own. I'll, you know, I'll let some of these other people who just got into Star Trek continue to write the Star Trek books. And uh, so I, I kind of, that was one reason why I thought, well, I don't need to be writing any more of those. And uh, nobody ever offered another game tie-in book. So, uh, (laughs) the Unreal was the last one of those. Oh, I know. It's, uh, you know, it's probably just like, Oh, wait a minute. What's up? Oh, I'm looking up at the wall and realizing, no, I did one called Vor, the the, the, uh, the rescue. Right. Anybody ever heard of Vor? No, what is that? <laughs> it was a video game. I, wait, how, how do you spell that? E-O-R. And a video game in which the earth falls into a, a like a, a black hole that leads into an alternate universe. And all these worlds are kind of careening around in the same solar system, and there's all the warfare going on between the various people. Oh, yeah, 
I was contracted to write a book in that series and, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Bob Sheckley was contracted to write one. I don't know if you've ever read any Bob Sheckley, but <laughs> he's a very, very um, iconoclastic writer. He has his own style uh, and it's way out there. And you know, I tried to write a very straightforward, unreal style book set in the Vor universe. And Bob Sheckley, he wrote um, something that was even farther out than Philip K. Dick would have written. Uh, <laughs> so, Damn. So they rejected his book entirely. Which I want to read. I want to read Bob Sheckley's war book. I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> and in an alternate universe. I want to go get that book. Uh, <laughs> but they edited mine so heavily, I even pulled my pseudonym off it. And uh, Yeah, so uh, that's the one thing I didn't actually ask you about is your pseudonym. Was that like a a contractual thing or just no i, I could have used any name um i used a pseudonym let me make sure i'm right on this yeah i used the pseudonym for the um um uh, dungeons and dragons book for the dark sun book because mm -hmm. i wasn't sure you know this is totally different than the sort of stuff i usually do you know it's high fantasy sudden blunder and i thought i don't know that i want a hard sf writer's name on that book in case you know, in, in case the book takes off, then suddenly I'm now a sudden blunder writer, you know. Uh, so I put my my uh, pseudonym, I made up the name Ryan Hughes. And uh, and I thought, okay, with the other game tie-in books, let's make them Ryan Hughes books. And, uh, you know, so Ryan Hughes will have a career as a game tie-in writer, and Jerry Oltian will have a, a career as a hard SF writer. <laughs> it, it worked out okay I, I don't know that the pseudonym was really necessary uh, it's, it, no it, it's cool it's interesting like it, it it makes it a lot more mysterious like and and uh you know who is this ryan hughes guy you know kind of thing yeah. which is you know my initial research was trying to find out who ryan hughes well, gotta, was you know i gotta tell you a story friend friend of a friend uh, you know um here in town i was i was with some friends of mine we stopped by one of their friends place after dinner or something and uh, I don't remember how it all came around, but he got to talking about this book he was reading that he really loved was by this Ryan Hughes guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was yanking my chain. I thought he knew, but he didn't. He didn't know that Ryan Hughes was me. <laughs> it, was, it was delightful to say, well, dude, I can like sign your book. Yeah, book. you want me to, yeah, want me to sign your book, bud? <laughs> You know that's happened. That's happened three times to me. That sort of thing. Um, I was in a restaurant one time, and somebody was sitting at a table, uh, kind of back to back with me, and I could hear him chuckling and turning pages and chuckling. And I was like, "Okay, I got to see what you're reading." And he was reading one of my books. <laughs> and, and on an airplane one time, somebody had my book, so it's like, ah, you know. that's really cool, man. That's like oh, such man, a good feeling. You, you feel like a success when that happens. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> So, so Jerry, these days, first of all, like, what, do you want to plug anything like what you're working on? Like, you know, um, where people can find like your you know, work or anything like that? Do you want anything you want at, to plug? At this point, you know, right now I don't have anything in the pipeline coming out. So it'd be, you know, my, my previous stuff. Um, I started putting things up on Amazon. So you can search for me on Amazon and get some of my short stories, um, selling them for a buck a piece. Um, that project, you know, it's a daunting project. I've got like 150 short stories and I think I got about 25, 30 of them done. Um, and then the guy who was helping me do it kind of bailed out. 
and I'm not really a technophile. So um, doing all that layout work and then actually publishing it on Amazon, that's, to me, that's the hard part. Going on the internet and clicking the buttons that I need to click in order to get the thing published, that's the hard part. <laughs> Go figure. But I'm kind of a Luddite in that, response, or in that respect, you know. So, um, yeah, um, some of my earliest work is available on Amazon, but the rest of it, um, sadly, most of it's out of print. I think one novel can still be gotten from Wheatland Press, uh, and that would be the one called Paradise Past. <laughs> yeah, which is an early novel. It's actually some of my early work, but it took a long time to get that one published because it was kind of a touchy subject. And, uh, wow, was, wh why is it touchy? It was uh, religion on board a starship. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, that could be touchy. Yeah, starship uh, gets where it's going, and we find what certainly appears to be Eden, <laughs> you know, and so the religion gets a big boost, but, uh, you know, we're going to be the snake if we land, so the question becomes, do we, do we mess up this, uh, this civilization that's just getting started, or do we go on? That's pretty cool, I like that idea. I did too, I wrote a whole novel about it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but as, like, like that's a great concept. I don't know. Like that's that's really cool to me. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the only one of my novels that you can get without going to you know a used bookstore or what have you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah nothing to plug other than than that stuff. Um, and and, I, and you spend I mean you spend your nights really just doing I mean you, a lot of astronomy stuff for you is that right? I'm an I'm an amateur astronomer. Love to go out just and look at the stars. And uh, you know I do write a column for Sky and Telescope magazine now. And I guess I do write the science column every other month for the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. See? So uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find my current stuff. Uh, you know, science fiction readers can uh, go to FNSF, and I've got a science column in there every month. And I gotta say, I am insanely proud of that. In that, this is the column that Isaac Asimov started back in 1958, and uh, that's pretty like, remarkable. Oh man, you know, to to have the chance to write that same column. Um, I tell you what, it feels like I've made it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that that that's a that's a huge honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I try very hard to make sure that I live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you still have your cat Stormy? I do. She came. She she made the uh, she made the little run through here a moment ago, but she's uh, gone <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, she's now gosh eighteen. She's an old. She's kitty, eighteen which... years old. God damn. Yeah, she's still making it, man. So good job, good job, Stormy. Yeah, <laughs> she only weighs about eight pounds, but uh, you know she's <laughs> as frisky as ever. Oh, <laughs> good kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Jerry, I had a, a a really great time talking to you. Um. This was. Uh, I've enjoyed it too. This has been fun. This is super fun. Don't go anywhere, though, when I say we're leaving. I'm saying we're leaving to the audience because I, right, I want to talk to you about a few other things. Um, but this has been like such an honor for me, like as someone who um, really values um, video games and video game writing and, and just on an intellectual level. Like it, for me, this is like to be able to, to sit and talk with you about this. It's just like is is the coolest thing. Like I was, I've been psyched about this for months. Well, so. me too, actually, to to uh, <laughs> to have someone show some interest in something I did so long ago really, uh, you know, makes me feel good too. I gotta say. Oh, good, Jerry. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's just it's really like it's just genuine. Uh, 
just feeling of 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 uh like I'm I'm really doing something and it just it's it's uh just very rewarding, you know, and uh yeah. I, you know and, and it's you know I'm just glad that you could be part of this and um I hope to talk to you again. But I just wanted to say thank you so much and uh and Thanks thank for you. To, yeah, thank you to the people who listened and uh we'll we'll be back at some point. So I hope to meet All right, that is our episode with Jerry Oltian. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can uh, find, you know, my Substack, jessebartell.substack.com. On the interwebs, damage per second. Just Google that. You'll find it somewhere. Find my Instagram, damage per second. You'll find, I, I link you all the things. I'll give you the things. Um, Jerry, you can find him at jerryoltian.com. And uh, you can, you know, uh, find where you can buy his uh, ebooks you can see what he's up to these days he has a nice little web page um, that's very uh well done with plenty of information you can see how pro- uh, like you can see how prolific jerry is uh with his writing you know and how how, how how hard and he's worked and just wrote his ass off for a long time and uh, i'm just happy he just he figured it out <laughs> he, he's he's happy with his the way he lives his life and um i'm i'm just so happy i got to talk to him and i really and i'm gonna be talking to him again so i'm i'm excited to 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 boot it back up and check in with jerry again um so yeah that is that is our episode thank you so much